Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. My lesson title is, What is the Shema? And how can we love God that fully? So we're going to start out with what something is and then end up with how can we do this? How can we apply these truths in our lives? So if you will turn with me to Deuteronomy 6, beginning with verse 4. In the context of this command that was given to Israel was they had been redeemed from the bondage of Egypt and they were getting ready to enter the promised land. And so God was giving them some commands so that things would go well with them. So the very first word in Deuteronomy 6.4, what do you see? Listen here. If you'll do the next slide, Jim. When we say the Shema, this prayer, it means here because the first, first word in many versions, and I'm assuming in the Hebrew, is to hear. Hear, O Israel. So this prayer, the Shema, is the most important prayer in Judaism. And I may get things wrong if you have Jewish roots, but I'm trying. But it's been recited morning and evening. And there are three parts of it, three biblical passages. And we're going to focus today on the first one. So I've invited Philip Garris, if you'll come on up. Philip and his family was part of a Messianic synagogue for many years. And so I've invited him to, you could come right on up to recite the first part of the Shema. Right. So uh, I was going to demonstrate what we used to do at the... Thank you. Right. So, right, I wanted to demonstrate what we used to do when we were part of a... Sorry. When we were part of a Messianic uh, Jewish congregation, we were into Messianic Judaism, I guess, for about 10 years. And... Um, uh, Pastor Tom's been talking a lot about lately about constant hearing. <laughs> thank I'll you. help you. Okay, thank you. Uh, right, so can you, can you hear me now? Yeah. Uh, right, okay, so demonstrating the uh, Shema, we were part of a uh, Messianic Judaism for about 10 years, and uh, Pastor Tom's been talking a lot about continual hearing, uh, you know, constant um, being in with the Holy Spirit, uh, Bola and um, um, Bishop and brother over here um, Brent, was, Brent, Brendan was talking mm-hmm. last week a lot about this uh, just let me hold it no sure okay <laughs> so I- anyway um, I, I feel prophetically that the spirit's moving us into a new place of just continual be, being in his presence uh, you know Isaiah 26 2 it talks about how that um, I'll keep him in perfect peace to whose mind is stayed constantly mm-hmm. on God uh, a lot of times I have trouble just remembering what my wife wants for lunch uh, but um, it, we, uh, we dropped a lot of the things that we used to do, like uh, intense Sabbath keeping and things like that, when we came back to the church, because we wanted to just focus on Christ, and that, w- that was a key. But uh, we, we still cite the Shema some at our house, because, uh, well, the, I guess the main things we took away from there was to love the Jewish people, of course, uh, because God loves the Hebrews still. Amen. Uh, and, uh, even with all the competition, he still loves the the, the, uh, the Hebrews. Um, but the other thing was to listen, sh- mm-hmm. Shema. Um, and it's funny because my wife, you know, she, she sometimes looks at me and she says, well, why don't you read some Leif Hedlund or something <laughs> to the kids? But uh, j- just mysteriously, the Holy Spirit hasn't really let me drop the Shema yet. Um, and so let's move into saying the Shema. This is the tefillin here. Um, there's some ritualistic prayers that are said. Uh, we talk about the stretching out of the heavens and when we put this on. And then when, we, when I put this on, the tefillin, it's leather, so they have to kill a cow, you know, to, to make the leather. Um, and I put it once on my bicep for Sabbath, six times for the six days of creation. And then I wrap it around the middle finger right next to my wedding band uh, three times, and I quote Hosea... Uh, 5-2, which is kind of like moving into the period of grace. It talks about, I will betroth you to me in righteousness, 
in judgment. That's the first blessing. I will betray you to me in kindness and mercy. And then the last blessing is I will betray you to me in marriage fidelity. So um, we're moving into a, a place of, of uh, fidelity and marriage with him, like Mary Esther said. So uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 is the first passage that they've prescribed. Deuteronomy 11, 13 through 21 is the next. And then Numbers uh, 15, 35 through 37. Um, I'm going to just say the first passage in Hebrew and then English. Okay. So... Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Ehabte v'nalahika, v'kale babacha, kalnafshika, v'kale meyodecha, ahayu devarim, Hear Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let these matters I command you today be on your heart. Teach them thoroughly to your children. Discuss them while you sit in the home, walking away when you're tired and when you arise. Write them on the doorposts of your house and upon your graves. And so we, we do that constantly, too. Um, if you read the other passages, it talks about uh, enlarging, you know, the children living long and prospering. So uh, we do that. And um, so anyway, I just wanted to uh, say that and just pray that the gospel of Christ will be heard, uh, the gospel of grace, the voice of Christ will be heard today. And I pray for joy and great excitement here as the Holy Spirit's moving us into new territory as we're uh, learning to find the hidden manna in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Did y'all feel Holy Spirit come when he began to recite that in the original language where God said it? So I want to look. So we're going to focus on Hero Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. But I want you to look, Jim, go ahead to that next slide where you were. He said these words, and then he gives instruction. So what words? The Lord is one. The Lord is our God. Love him with all your heart, soul, and might. These words shall be on your heart. So he gives them some reminders. Oh, one second. lost something in transfer. It's okay. I had made a bunch of post-it notes <laughs> because he gives them a bunch of reminders. First, he says, these words shall be on your heart. You shall meditate on them. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. And he tells them you shall talk of them four different times when you're sitting in the house, when you're walking by the way, when you're lying down, when you're rising up. You shall bind them on a sign, as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontals, like literally between your eyes, on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost and on the gates. So do you think these words were important? I mean, imagine all these post-it notes God's saying. He's reminding them all these different places. He wants them to be reminded of these words, the Shema, the other two prayers that go with it. The Lord is one. The Lord is our God. Love him. Love him with all your heart, soul, and might. These words, I believe, of everything written in the Old Testament and in the Torah, which I do study Old Testament in my next seminary class, so I'll get better with this. <laughs> but I believe these were the most important. But some of you might be saying, well, that's the Old Testament we're under the new covenant we're in the new testament times turn with me to matthew 22 and this should also be on your handout matthew 22 we're going to start with verse 34 
So the Pharisees were always testing Jesus, asking him questions, trying to trick him to see what he would say. Matthew 22, beginning with verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So I want to digress just a little bit and clear up any confusion. Because the Shema was spoken in Hebrew. Okay, so the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. So in Hebrew, the words were, and I do get them confused, mommy brain, all your heart, your soul, and your might. Now in the New Testament, we have, I believe, three different gospel writers that cover this chapter, what Jesus just said, the Shema in the New Testament. Mark says heart, soul, mind, and strength, because don't we always sometimes we'll say strength? Luke says heart, soul, strength, and mind. But Matthew, he just says all your heart, your soul, and your mind. So what does that mean? Does it mean the Bible has errors in it because it's inconsistent? No, because the Shema in the Old Testament was spoken in Hebrew. Jesus most likely was speaking in Aramaic which is the language of the region where he was. But the gospel writers had to translate what Jesus spoke in Aramaic into the Greek language. Now, Mark and Luke translated might as mind and strength. Might was a very difficult Hebrew word to translate all the way to the Greek. It didn't have an equal word. There wasn't an equal word. But Matthew... I think he just says mind. Let me make sure I get it right. Yeah, Matthew just chose one word. So each of the gospel writers took what Jesus said and translated it. They were writing to, and I'm getting into seminary stuff. They were writing to different people in different times. So they used the words that their audience would best understand. Like if I was writing to my mother, who's here, I might use different words than if I were writing to my, my New Testament professor. Like those words that are like uh, Christology and Mark and priority, and those are complicated words. But just talking to my mama, we're just talking about Jesus. So it's more simple country words, maybe. She's from the mountains and I'm from the south. So some questions to ponder when we look at this Shema. And these, I think, are on your handout. What does it mean to love the Lord your God? And who is this person? Who is this Lord our God that is one? Who are they? And we're going to look at today, what, what are they to you? What is their role in your life? And do you have a relationship with each one? So we're going to talk about the Trinity. And I've taught this before. And a pool rack or a triangle, is my favorite way to describe the Trinity because this is a triangle. It is one thing. God is one. Now, it's beyond our minds. It's a mystery. But each individual side has a facet. There's the facet of, of Jesus, his blood. Jesus is someone individual to us. There's the facet of God, the Father. He's a different person to us. There's the facet of the Holy Spirit. So the triangle has three sides. There are three separate individuals, people, beings, however you want to term it, but they are one. So I want to take a few minutes and talk about who they are. Because when I, I first got saved, I didn't know who I was supposed to pray to. Like, do you pray to the Father? <laughs> Do you pray to Jesus? 
Do you pray to Holy Spirit? I didn't know the difference in who they were. And I know those of us who are here today and on live stream, some of you may be baby Christians, and you're asking yourself the same thing. Who do I pray to? And some of you may know a whole lot more theology than me, but we're going to look at the basics, and then we're going to look at what, what, is our, what is each one's role in our lives, because they each have a role in your life, and they each want to know you. So a few weeks ago, when I was asking God what to preach about today, I was sitting on my back porch, and, and I'll be honest, I've been in... Um, an eight-week class on the New Testament, and it's been about 20 hours a week. It's been rough, hasn't it, Brian? It's been rough. I'm almost done. Two assignments left. And then also at the same time during this, I've been writing sermons. So my regular Bible study time, time to connect with the Lord, I've been writing sermons and doing schoolwork. So about three weeks ago, I sat on the back porch, and I was like, God, I've just got to connect with you. I've got to reconnect with you because I just felt distant. And so the prayer that I prayed was, Father, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Holy Spirit, I love you. Usually when I pray that, tears come to my eyes because that is how I reconnect with the Father. And I was explaining, and then I was saying the Shema, God, I want to love you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength, with everything. And then I was thinking, how do you do that? And I was telling Brian on the way to church, you can't do it on your own. It's supernatural. It's above your nature. And then when I got to church, guess what Pastor Tom was preaching about? The Shema. And he said, you can't do it on your own. I was like, okay, Lord, I am hearing you. This is what I am to share today. So let's talk about God the Father. Now, God has roles that he plays in our lives. There are things that he does. So there's some nouns, some verbs, adjectives. Who is he to you? Just throw out an answer. He's love. God is love. What else? Patience. Yeah, he's goodness. What else? He's mercy. He's, yes, he's ever there. He's with us always. He's the creator, the heavenly father. So for me, I wanted to share, I just want to share to you who he is to me when I think about, okay, God, give me five things or roles. Who are you to me? And I'm going to, these scriptures, I didn't write them all out, but the references are on your handout. I'm going to go through them quickly for the sake of time, but you can look at them later. To me, he's my shepherd. He, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means he's watching over me. He's protecting me. He's guiding me. He's <laughs> keeping me from going, going astray. He's my shepherd. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He's our provider. And I loved Brian's picture that he did today. If you can't see it, there's a little mouse down at the bottom, and there's a seed. And that mouse is getting ready to eat the seed. And it looks like there's no more. But the wheat stalks are full of seeds getting ready to fall down. God is our provider. He is our provider. In Genesis 22, 11 through 14, God provided a ram so that Abraham would not have to sacrifice his son. Uh, verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. God is my provider. My husband goes to work, but God is my provider. God taught me that the hard way because I used to stress I used to make my kids work real hard in homeschooling so they would get scholarships because that's how we were paying for college. <laughs> and one day God said, Lisa, who's providing for you? Scholarships or me? And he taught me that the hard way. And in the end, they got both. <laughs> they got both. Praise the Lord. We're paying some. Scholarship paid some. But it's all from God, provider. God is our comfort. Um, Karina prayed in the prayer room, the Lord is near. 
Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. The reference I gave you, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. Now what we're going to see a little bit is these roles between the Trinity, they change around because sometimes Holy Spirit is the one comforting us. Sometimes it's Jesus, our friend, that comes alongside. To me, God is my strength. Oh, Lord, I can't even get out of the bed without Jesus. I used to tell God that I couldn't get dressed without him. I mean, he's reduced me to the humility where I say, God, without you, I just can't even get out of the bed. I depend on him that much. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Amen. Yeah, I'm standing on the stage today because of Jesus and a lot of people that help me, <laughs> honestly. And then the big one, he forgives our sin. Now, it's through his son, but he forgives our sin. Matthew 6, 14, if you forgive others, your heavenly father will also forgive you. So, God, the son, Jesus who is Jesus to you? Go ahead and tell me. Savior, Redeemer, Lord. He's everything. Best friend, healer, master. The rock. Is that what I heard? The rock. Jesus, he's a different person to us. He's a teacher. That's a good one. High priest. So for me, my first thought was, oh, he is my friend. John 15, 13 through 15 says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves. Instead, I have called you friends. And then I love to add Proverbs 18, part B with that, that says, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. When everybody abandons you, Jesus won't abandon you. When you are in the miry clay, Jesus won't abandon you. When you're going down that road of sin, Jesus won't abandon you. He is your friend through thick and thin. And he sticks closer than a brother. He won't let you get away from him. He is your friend. And as Bill said, he's our high priest. Now, Hebrews is heady stuff. It is not a book that most people enjoy because it's very difficult to understand. And I believe I'm teaching this in January on Wednesday nights. But I want you to know that Jesus is your high priest. And basically what this means is... He knows what it's like to be a human. Okay, let's look at these two verses. Hebrews 2.17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren, that's us, his human brothers and sisters, in all things. He had to be made like us in everything. Why? So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And then Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Does anybody have any weaknesses? I've got some weaknesses. Jesus is a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. Because it says he's been tempted in all things, but without sin. So I know it's kind of hard to understand this high priest language. But to me, what this means is Jesus had to be made human so that he could make that sacrifice for us. The next one is he's our example. And this is what I preached back in September that Christ him, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, where it says he emptied himself. He took the form of a bondservant. He was made like a man. He humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He's the example of sacrificial living. 
He said, if you want to follow me, take up your cross. He's our example. Oh, the next one is a good one, too. He's our intercessor. Oh, good Lord. He is our intercessor. Romans 8, 34. Christ Jesus is he, is he who died. Where is he? It says, who is at the right hand of God? That's where Jesus is. What is he doing? Who also intercedes for us. A second scripture, Hebrews 7, 25. Therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives. Get that? Always lives to make intercession for them. Not for just five minutes or for maybe 24 hours. He always lives to make intercession for us. You're here today because you had an intercessor, Jesus, who brought you here. Whether through, if we're looking through all the trials you've been brought through or just the ones you went through this morning, you're here today because Jesus is at the right hand of God and he has something to do. He's interceding for us, some of us more than others. <laughs> He's interceding for us. He's our intercessor. And the last one for me is He's graceful. It was hard to say he's full of grace, but he's graceful. We'll say it that way. John 1, verses 14 and 16. It says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father. And then it tells us what Jesus is like, full of grace and truth. And today you're going to get some grace and some truth. But it says, verse 16, For of his fullness we have all received in grace upon grace. I taught that last summer. Remember the M&Ms? They never ran out. There's always more grace, grace upon grace upon grace. He's full of grace. We need grace. And then God the Holy Spirit. To you, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is he to you? Counselor. Teacher, tour guide, there you go, your leader, anything else that I missed? GPS, comforter, yes, he's also our comforter. So Pastor Tom spent a couple weeks teaching about who Holy Spirit is and the role that he plays in his life. And what Pastor Tom said was, how real and relevant is Holy Spirit in your life today? In your life, do you also have a relationship with Holy Spirit? Now, for me, I don't say the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I'll lapse back into that. But for me, Holy Spirit is not a thing like this plant. Holy Spirit is a person like David Archibald. I don't call him the Holy Spirit because his name is not, his first name is not the. His name is Holy Spirit. Espiritu Santo. I can't remember what it is in the Greek, <laughs> but I'm going to learn it. But he's the Holy Spirit. Something new. The paraclete. There you go. He's the paraclete. So to me, Holy Spirit, and you're going to see a lot of different language in the Gospels. Some translations say he's your helper, some comforter, some counselor, some advocate. So you're going to see different ones. And I found a lot of these in John 14 through 16 because Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, I'm leaving you. Can you imagine how that felt? Hey, I'm leaving you, but you're going to be okay because I'm going to put part of me in you to be with you forever. He leaves, he gives part of the Godhead, comes to live in us. He's in us right now. Holy Spirit is in you if you believe in Jesus Christ. He's in you right now. John 14, uh, verses 15 through 17, Jesus says, I'll ask the Father. He'll give you another helper. He'll be with you forever. He's the Spirit of truth. John 14, 26, and mine's the New American Standard, so it uses helper. The helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you everything. He'll teach you everything. When I sit down to study my Bible, Holy Spirit, teach me. Because this mommy brain struggles. Holy Spirit, teach me. 
John 16, 7, Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go away. It's going to be better for you, for me to leave. Because if I don't leave, the helper won't come. But if I leave, I'm going to send him to you. And he did. So helper, comforter. Now this one we don't enjoy, convictor. That one's not so fun. You enjoy who said? Yeah, it's hard. Sometimes I do pray for conviction, and sometimes it comes anyway when I'm not wanting it. When I was writing this sermon, there were things that I wrote, and the conviction came to me first. You better practice that one before you preach it. He convicted me. John 16, 8, and when he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin. So a good prayer to pray is, Holy Spirit, reveal the sin in my life. Convict me of sin. This is a good one. He's the source of living water. There was a couple weeks ago when I was just empty. And it was time there was an altar call and Pastor Tom asked the ministry team to get up and pray for people. And I just had nothing to give. But I knew this verse, John 7 38 through 39, and Jesus was declaring this in the temple. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from its innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And it says, but this he spoke of the Spirit. So I got up off my knees, empty, and I went over here and joined someone in prayer. And guess what flowed through me? Rivers of living water. I was empty, but Holy Spirit was full Holy Spirit flowed through me. I was empty, but we always have Holy Spirit to flow through us if we just say, I'm empty. You got to do it. Sure. You got to do it. Amen. He's the source of power, and Pastor Tom really um, honed in on this. You know, Jesus said, Stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Luke 24 49. He's the source of spiritual fruit. If you have any love, joy, or peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, if you have any of that in your life, it's not because you're just a good person. It's because Holy Spirit is living in you and, and enabling you to do good things because on our own, we just can't. Holy Spirit, now I will say this morning, I sped, I, I broke the speed limit trying to get to church but then to atone for that, I let somebody in front of me. <laughs> my patience was running a little thin because I started out behind someone in my neighborhood going 20. So I'll just be real. But if there's anything good that comes from us, it's Holy Spirit. He's the source of spiritual gifts. And I'm not going to go through those, but he's the source of spiritual gifts. The reference is there. In... Um, the, my spiritual formation book, I think it was called The Kingdom Life, an author, Bruce Demarest, said, Apart from the Spirit's ministry in our hearts, we, were, we are like branches without sap, coals without fire, ships without sails. Ships without sails. That's what Holy Spirit is. We put up our sail and we say, Holy Spirit, take me where you want to go. <laughs> Sometimes it's not where we want to go. But we trust in Holy Spirit, even when, like Christy was led to do a very vulnerable and hard thing. Holy Spirit led her and gave her the strength, and goodness came from it. So, if you don't have a role, if Holy Spirit, well, let me back up. This is what Pastor Tom said. Where is it? Yeah, so he was asking, you know, is Holy Spirit, does he... Is he real and relevant in your life? What role is he playing? And if he's not playing any role, well, this is who he is. You just don't know it. He's doing this. You don't know who's doing it. That's his name, Holy Spirit. If you're kind to somebody today, Holy Spirit. Next slide, please. So I'm going to teach you. Oh, let's go back. Oh, no, it's not there. Go forward to, and let me see if it's there. I may have gotten them. Nope. 
Go back. <laughs> All right, so I got, it, I got it out of order. There's a Greek word. It should be on your handout. Let's see. Perichoresis, like choreography, perichoresis. And this, use, this word was used by ancient Christian writers to describe the Trinity and how they would interact with each other because I taught a few weeks ago they have relationship with each other. God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, they like each other. They're friends. But this word, it means to dance around in the Greek. Now, what I like about this word is um, Eugene Peterson, who's deceased now. He wrote the Message Bible. He used this term to represent the exchanging of partners on a dance floor, like in a square dance. And, Mama, you don't know this, but every now and then when the Spirit hits us, Brian and I will do -si do over here in that corner. We'll square dance. And if Hannah's with us, we might change partners with her. We've done it. I haven't rolled yet on the floor, but we have done some square dancing in the corner. <laughs> I'm not a holy roller yet. But in our lives, that is what we do with the Trinity. At one moment, we're comforting someone. We're, holy, we're dancing with Holy Spirit. Then we may go somewhere else and provide for someone. That's the role of the Father in us. Mary Esther came next to me today, and she was my friend. That's Jesus. So all day long, we're dancing with the Trinity. We're, we're dancing with the Father for a little bit, and then we're dancing with the Son. We're dancing with the Holy Spirit. They play roles in our lives, and all day long, we're just dancing with a different partner. Does that make sense? Dancing with a different partner. We're do-si-doing. Just like, you know, change your partners round and round. And we're just weaving that dance through all three members of the Trinity. They're one, but we have, can have, relationships with each one. You can know each one well enough where you can say, Father, I love you, because I know who you are. We're going to get to this more. Jesus, I love you, because I know who you are. Holy Spirit, I love you, because I know who you are. So we are invited into this dance. So, Jim, let's go to the five steps. So what I want to share with you is how do we do this? How do we shema? How can we do it? Because there's one thing to tell you, you need to do this. Then it's a second thing to tell you how to do it. So I'm going to give you some steps that may help you to know how to do it. So on our own, what do we love? We love ourselves. We love ourselves. There's some things that I love. Go ahead, Jim. Things I love, hot pink and my dog, Coco. There's another slide. I love Masterpiece Theater. Poldark will be on tonight at 9 o'clock. Should be watching it with my daughter. I love Hobby Lobby, the mountains, my garden. French fries are really high on my list. I love my family. I did include them. It, they do seem to be last. I didn't mean to do that. I love making note cards, and I love speaking. So there are things that I love, and I love me, and I love to gratify me, and those are things that make me happy. But it's different to love God how can we love God when we love ourselves so much? Pastor Tom gave the answer away a couple weeks ago. This is on your handout. Next slide. He said, you can't shema without the power of the Holy Ghost. Do you remember saying that, Pastor Tom? You can't. You can't do it. You can't love him without supernatural help. Philippians 2, 12 to 13 says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is always at work in you to make you willing and able to obey his own purpose. What's his purpose? That you love him fully. He's always working in you to help you do these things. He doesn't just say, do this and just stand there. I ain't going to help you. You're on your own. No, he says, do this, and I'm going to help you. Holy Spirit lives in us to help us. 
Jesus comes as our friend. God the Father gives us strength. The Trinity, all of them, they're helping us. You can't do it without relying on God and knowing he gives you the ability. It's supernatural. That means it's supernatural. Super means above. Natural means our nature. It's above our nature. It's above who we are as humans. We can't do it without supernatural help. The second step is to know God. And part of my calling, like who God has called, what God has called me to do, number one isn't preaching or teaching or traveling. Number one for me is to know God, to know God and be his friend. Anything else that I do is just because I know him and I love him and I love who he loves, which is you. I'm on the stage today because God loves you, so I'm loving who he loves. Like, if you love my children, boy, I'm really going to love you. It's the same thing. I minister because I love God, and he's, he's in love with you. The next slide. There we go. Oh, let's go back one. The Jennifer Rothschild. This is a quote from a Hosea Bible study, and, and I love this. It says, to know God is to love God. As you come to know him, you fall in love with him. And when you love God, you'll never leave God. I have good friends that have left God. They are as far away from Jesus. They, they were pastors and church planners. They've left him. If you know God, you'll love God. And when you love God, you'll never leave God. It's important to know God. So... We wonder, how do you come to know God? How do you do that? Well, if you wanted to write a report, let's say, about Billy Graham, what would you do? You might go to Wikipedia, or you might buy a book or go to the library. This is his autobiography. That means this is the book he wrote about himself to tell people who he is, who he really is. This is like the authority. This isn't Wikipedia. This is his words. This is who I am. And in the same way, the Bible is God's autobiography. If you want to know who God is, this is where you have to go. Now, it's true. I'm teaching you what the Bible says, but this is what I'm doing I've got a little spoon, and I'm just giving you a little bit. It's going to get you through today. Or if you go to a Bible study, you might get a few more spoonfuls. Or if you go to a prayer meeting, you might hear some verses. But like a big man like Bill Trogdon, this little spoon ain't going to work, is it? And that's what it's like if your Bible sits closed in your house all week long, and you just open it when you come here. Okay, I'm, I warned my mama to pull her toes in because I was going to step on some toes. So <laughs> this is where it comes. But this is the truth. You cannot truly know God if you don't read about him in the book he wrote about him. You can't know him. You might know some things about him. Like, I don't really know James that well, but I know some things about him. But if I wanted to get to know him better, my husband and I, we would spend time with them to learn about him. So you can know about him, but you can't, I don't believe, really know him. So God wants you to take a big dipper. <laughs> a big dipper. Because if you just use that little spoon your whole life, you're never going to come to know him. But he wants you to take a big dipper and deep, deep, deep just dig deep into his word and come to know him that's how you come to know him oh go let's see go back one more i missed a slide i got ahead of myself so the bible is god's autobiography and then the next one jim you cannot truly know god unless you read his word So going to church, listening to sermons, listening to podcasts, watching YouTube, it's not enough. You have to sit down with the book. With the book. Spend time with the book. 
Okay, so I'm going to give you some hope. So just hold on if you're, if you're struggling. Just, just hang on. I'm going to give you grace and truth. I just gave you the truth. There is grace coming, okay? So this is what the Apostle Paul said. <laughs> his goal in life, that I may know him. That was his goal. That I may know him. That was his foremost goal. Not that I would travel and speak or I would do this or this miracle or that miracle. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. So this is a growing relationship. The more time you spend in the book, the more you get to know God. You get to know what he's like, his personality. Like my mother's here. Will you hold your purse up? My mother's flashy. That's where I get it. Her purse has feathers. Hannah, show them what her purse looks like. Look at this. I mean, that woman, she's like Miss Evelyn. Yeah, feathers. She's like, that's a compliment. But I know what she's like. I know how to shop for her. I know what's going to make her laugh. And in the same way, you can know God fully. All right. So let's look at um, how do we love God. And Jesus, Jesus spelled it out, so hang on to your toes. This is what Jesus said. If anyone loves me, okay, let me make sure you got the reference. It's on your handout, John 14, 23. This is in the book, okay? You ready? If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Okay, let that just settle in. If you love Jesus, you'll keep his word. You'll keep his commands. You'll do what is right. You won't do what is wrong. Don't go yet, Jim. A lot of people say, I love Jesus. You can go, Jim. A lot of people say, I love Jesus. We have I love Jesus socks, bracelets, stickers, shirts, buttons, a necklace. Miss Evelyn, that hat I think you would wear. It's got rhinestones all over it. It says, I love Jesus. And I even have my own I love Jesus apparel. It says, I love Jesus and naps. That is me. This afternoon, there will be a glorious nap. I love Jesus and naps. A lot of people say, I love Jesus. And they may think that they really do. But, okay, this, this is what came to me, okay? I'm just going to tell you what I heard in my head. I texted it to Pastor Tom. It's... For me, who likes to be the sweet little church lady, this ain't real sweet. Okay, you ready? Next slide. You can't say that you love Jesus if you don't keep his word. To me, that's a logical conclusion. To an engineer, that makes sense. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep, keep my word. So you can't say you love Jesus if you're not keeping his word. And that's hard. I mean, that, that make yeah. I mean, can I really sit and say, Jesus, I love you, if I'm not forgiving someone who hurt me? Or if I'm taking all my money and spending it on myself when I have my brother in need? Or if someone's struggling and I'm not willing to give up my time to go and help them? Or if I'm gossiping? Or if I'm watching TV shows that have things in it that this word says we shouldn't be condoning. It's hard stuff. Am I really loving Jesus when I'm doing those things? Are we really loving Jesus when we're doing those things? We can't say we love... We can't say, we, we, we can't say we love Jesus if we're not keeping his word. And you can't keep his word if you don't know his word. Okay? So this is where Holy Spirit convicted me because I was thinking through this. And 
the hope that I want to give you, and, and there are some of you today that you're saying, well, I know his word, I consistently read it, I've somehow managed to make that a habit in my life. And there are some of you, and I'm just going to spell it out, that you failed. <laughs> because I've been at that point where I tried to make a habit and I failed. And I felt ashamed. And then I tried to make a habit and then I failed. And then I thought I was doing really good and God showed me you failed again. Because it's hard to consistently read our Bibles because the truth is sometimes the news is a little more interesting or something on Netflix or watching Poldark or reading the paper, checking your email. There's a, a lot of things that can be more interesting than reading about, if you want to follow me, deny yourself. I mean, <laughs> sometimes this is hard. But if we want to love Jesus, we have to figure out, figure out how to do it. And that's where I want to give you some grace because I have, I've been successful and I've failed. And there are seasons, like when I was a young mother, there was not much Bible reading. And even now, as I'm struggling through school, like I said, I haven't been reading it. God convicted me. And I do want to, at some point, preach a message, share a message on how do we make this part of our routine? How do we make it habit, a habit? How can we start something and not fail so quickly? And there are ways that we can create habits in our lives. And I'm not saying, like, you have to read for an hour. My husband reads while he eats his yogurt every morning. How long does that take you? 15 minutes? So while he's having his breakfast, he's, he's found a way, and that's the struggle for us is we have to find a way. So, um, and I don't say even every day. I just say consistently because I don't do it every day. I take Fridays and Saturdays off. <laughs> and even sometimes I just miss it. Sometimes you don't feel like it. But I do want to share with you that there's hope. There are ways that you can create, that you can find five minutes twice a week to start. Just to start. And, and this is what I had to do this week. When I sat down and read my, uh, when I sat down to eat my lunch, I wanted to pull out my iPad and watch Fox, and look at Fox News. Read the headlines. It's what I do when I eat my lunch. And God said, no, you haven't read my word today. You can't stand up there and tell them, find a way to sacrifice something if you're not doing it yourself. So I, what, now I can't even remember what I pulled up. <laughs> but I did sit and read the Bible. I sat and read. Okay, so the next step also gives us hope. The prayer that God always answers according to the gospel of Lisa, which I believe is in accordance with his word, is a sincere prayer to know him more and to love him more. I believe God always answers that prayer, and when I get to a point where I feel like I have drifted far from God, that's where I go. God, I want to know you more. God, I want to love you more. God, give me a passion for your word. All this stuff is supernatural. If you want to be consistent reading his word, you just say, God, give me a love for your word. Put it in my heart to love you more than I love me. It's supernatural. We can't do it without the power of the Holy Ghost to convict us, to remind us, to help us. No Netflix right now. How about John chapter 1? Okay? Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. He's not an elusive God. He's out there waiting for you to find him. Matthew 7, 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find Knock, and it will be open to you. So if you pray that prayer, God, I want to know you more, you're going to come to know him more. If you pray, God, I want to love you more, he's going to help you to love yourself less and love him more. God, will you help me find a consistent time to be in your word with my busy schedule? Whether it's five minutes twice a week, 15 minutes during breakfast, during lunch whatever it is, but to get started, just to start. Starting is better than doing nothing, but just to start. 
he'll be there to answer that prayer. And the last step is to just tell him. So we all just say this with me, and, and God, by, our, by your grace, we're going to say this. We don't know if we love you fully the way you should, but we're going to declare this, that this is what we want. This is what we want to do and how we want to feel. Father, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Holy Spirit, I love you. There are three different people. You have a relationship with each one of them, and you can love each one of them. You may love them imperfectly. And that's why Jesus was full of truth, which is what I've shared with you today, but grace. Because when we fail, uh, Hebrews 4, I believe it's 16, says, let us come to the throne of grace. <laughs> Jesus has a throne of grace. So when we try and fail, we can come there. He says, come boldly. Just come on. Come on like you are. It's okay. I, I know what it's like to be you. And it says, at that throne of grace, we'll find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Mercy, grace, help. We'll find those things. So we're going to love him imperfectly. I don't love him perfectly. I don't know him perfectly. We won't until the day we see him face to face. But that's our goal, is to love him. And sometimes when I pray, I'll say, God, I don't know if I love you with all that I am. But I, I want to. I want to. My flesh is like, because I know it's, it's going to take some sacrifice. But by faith, I want to. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And then how do we do that? Do I have that last slide, Jim? We rely on God. It's supernatural. We can't do it on our own. We, we just can't. We come to know God because the more you know God, the more you'll love God. We obey God's word because Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my word. That's what Jesus said. We ask God. If you seek him, you'll find him. God, give me a desire to love you. I mean, you may not even care about God today, but you can start by saying, God, just give me a desire to love you. Just start small. You don't have to start grand. God, just give me a little bit of, give me that seed of a desire to love you, to know you, to read your word. Just, just give me that desire. And then we tell God. I would just want to encourage you in your times alone with God Tell each member of the Trinity that you love them and think about what they have done individually in your lives. So I want to um, invite the ministry team to come. And Jim, if you'll just put some music on for us. So... Is where I'm relying on Holy Spirit because my screen doesn't tell me what to do now. <laughs> but I know that there are some of you here today that you, you're saying, well, I've tried and I can't do it. And I agree. On our own, we can't. But there's supernatural help available to you to know God, to love God, to spend time in his word, to Shema. So if you want to come forward today, these people that are here with me want to pray with you and just impart to you the supernatural ability to just start to love God, to know him, to spend time in his word, to, to value this more than other things. Just, just a little bit of time in his word. And I tell you, it's, it's, um, it's addictive. Because there's hope found here. You, this is where Jesus is. There's hope found here. This book changed my life.
because I was so mired in sin when I got saved, and I drug all that shame with me for years and years and years until I finally read in Hebrews, Jesus was one sacrifice for sin for all time. Changed my life. This book can change your life. So, Father, I just lift up those that are here today. God, those who have struggled (laughs) to love you because they're human, those who've struggled to spend time reading your word because they're human, those who've struggled to come to know you. God, I just first of all ask for your grace for all of us because we've all failed. We've all failed at keeping the Shema. We've all failed at keeping your word. God, I thank you for grace and that Jesus died for our sins. And there's no condemnation. This is a condemnation-free zone. There's only truth and grace here. God, would you just, for those who feel condemned, I just ask that your grace would wash over them. And that, God, they would know that that you love us even when we fail. You want to help us get back up and start again. So, God, I pray that... um, that your grace would just be sufficient for us in our weakness, God, and that you would make us strong. God, I just impart a desire to know you. I impart the ability to love you, and I impart a passion for your word and the ability to study it consistently, however that means for each one. I just impart that in the name of Jesus. God, we just love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.